Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Ahead a little bit from 33 to 37. Hear this word. He, Jesus, left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Suppose one of you has only one sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored, as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. Then later in verse 33, Jesus says, Either make the tree good or its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good things when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of a good treasure, and the evil person brings evil things out of an evil treasure. I tell you, on the day of judgment, you will have to give an account for every careless word you utter. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love, I love a lot of TVs, but I especially love sitcoms. Um, I know they're supposed to be low art and there's nothing groundbreaking about them, but I think that's actually why I kind of like them, at least when they're done well. It's the same jokes and the same plots. They all have the same types of episodes over and over, but if the delivery is right, it still gets me to laugh each and every single time. And one of my favorite sitcom tropes is the siblings fighting in the backseat of the car. You know, mom and dad are up, are up there driving, and there's usually an instigator, sometimes the youngest, who is just doing their very best to push each and every one of their siblings' buttons. And so they're going at it, and eventually mom and, or dad turns their head around and says, keep your hands to yourself. So what does the youngest child do? I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Every sitcom with kids in it has that episode eventually. And I love it clearly because I have also lived it. I was that child. Part of me is still that child. And I knew exactly how to follow the rules while still getting to do exactly what I wanted. I was a master of being the annoying little brother who didn't get in trouble too much. As we continue in our sermon series today on true confessions, where we walk through the prayer of confession, we're going to consider what it means when we admit to God that we have not done his will. We have not done your will, God. When I ponder this particular kind of sin, what becomes immediately clear is that not doing God's will is more about our hearts than it is the rules themselves. 
not doing God's will is not about whether we actually poked our sibling in the arm or not. It's about the fact that we wanted so dearly to poke and annoy our sibling in the first place. Yes, sometimes our actions are also wrong, but most importantly, it's that our will failed to match the will of God. Our hearts failed to match God's heart. God, we have not done your will because our hearts are so broken. In the scripture that we read today, uh, the captains of the we have not done your will all-stars are the Pharisees uh, all throughout scripture. Uh, the Pharisees were a sect of Jewish teachers in Jesus's time. And if you judge them strictly by their actions most of the time, they actually seem to be exceptionally holy people. One of their core passions was closely adhering to the laws of the Old Testament. They cared deeply about uh, keeping clean ritually and making the appropriate sacrifices and keeping the Sabbath. These were all crucial to living a holy life. So you'd think that Jesus, the perfectly holy son of God, would have loved these guys. But no, quite the opposite. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus routinely uses the Pharisees as an example of those who have missed the mark. In his most well-known sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, it's practically a thesis about how the Pharisees have gotten it wrong. And their biggest sin is that in their zeal to uphold the law, they have lost their way and they have ended up not doing God's will. They are great at following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. They did not poke their siblings in the arm in the backseat of the car, but they disobey their father just the same. It is not about whether that finger made contact or not. It's about that you continued to want to cause your sibling harm. It's not necessarily that the Pharisees' actions were always wrong. Most of the time, they seemed righteous on the surface. But it was their hearts that were the problem. And Jesus knew that. So in the second half of the scripture today, after Jesus calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers, great insult, by the way, he goes on to, con to condemn their ideas on righteousness. The Pharisees think, well, as long as I don't break the Sabbath, then I'm righteous and I'm okay. Jesus uses his example to show that they can follow the law and still be cruel, which actually breaks the law. Withholding the power to heal someone when you have it because of the Sabbath, that's not righteous, that's cruelty. It is not our actions that make our hearts holy. It is holy hearts that make our actions righteous. Jesus says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. The fruit does not make the tree. The tree makes the fruit. Its essence, its nature, what it is inside, that is what makes a tree good or bad. The fruit simply reveals what is inside. If we want to be truly righteous, if we want to be good trees, it is not just by addressing our actions that we will be changed. It's by addressing our hearts. Any child can resist, well, not any child, most children can at least resist poking at their siblings for a little while. 
but starting to respect their siblings' personal space, caring about being obedient to their parents, and stopping just living for opportunities to bug their siblings, that takes heart change. One of my best friends um, is one of my roommates from undergrad, Justin. And I love Justin, I really do. Justin, if you're watching, um, I'm sorry. Uh, Justin's a little bit of a character, and he's very particular. A great way to that I like to explain my friend Justin is that when he went to get his PhD in grad school, he moved into an apartment, and like most of us uh, just starting out, he brought his furniture from his childhood bedroom. So he had his twin-size bed, his desk, his chest of drawers, and that was it in the entire apartment. He had his TV that was like 30 years old. I don't even think it had a remote, just sitting on the floor. He had four throw pillows and a Rubbermaid container that was his dining room table, coffee table, storage, all in one. He lived that way for six years because he was just gonna be there temporarily. And he had a girlfriend who visited him who is a saint and now his wife, but I'm way off topic. Just that's the type of character that Justin is. But he had one other eccentricity that I always remember, and that's that he refused to take any medication if it, if it only addressed the symptoms and not the root cause. So if Justin had a headache, he never took ibuprofen. He would maybe have a couple glasses of water or eat some food or take a nap, but it just addressed the symptoms, not the un underlying problem. If he had a cold the night before an exam, he would not take NyQuil so that he could take a good night's sleep because that was not an antiviral that was just going to treat his symptoms, so he wasn't gonna take it. Now, to be clear, if he had a medical issue and there was something that he could take that would address the underlying issue, he would absolutely take it. But he never wanted to cover up his symptoms in case it may allow the root problem to go unaddressed. He wanted a clear picture of where his body stood. Very interesting. Now, next time I have a headache, I'm taking some ibuprofen, but interesting to consider nonetheless. Sometimes addressing the symptoms of our ill hearts is not enough, especially if we are not addressing the underlying problem. So if you made a donation to UMCOR this week, the United Methodist Disaster Release, Relief, that is wonderful. But if your relationship with money is still unhealthy, that's a problem. I'm glad if you withheld from gossiping about one of your coworkers with your other coworkers this past week, but the pride and judgment in your heart is also a problem. I am so glad you are in worship with us this morning. But if this is the only time that you are giving to God this week, that is a problem. I'm glad that you didn't use some choice words when somebody cut you off in traffic on the way here this morning. But how quick you were to anger, that is a problem. And I am so glad that you gave a share the love bag to someone who was in need last week. But that little bit of fear and judgment in your heart as you did so, that is a problem. We can uphold God's laws and still not do his will. Because in the end, it is not just about our actions. It is about our hearts. 
It is about what kind of trees we are. It's about whether or not our wills line up with God's will. There's only so many times that we can keep ourselves in line while our hearts are still broken. Eventually, we will show to others who we are inside. And if we want to be righteous, truly righteous, we can't just try to resist our evil wills. We need to change them inherently. We need to change the kind of trees that we are. And no one can do that alone. Changing your will takes a lot of work. And thank God, most of it is done not by us, but by God on us and in us. But we have to let that happen. We have to let God be a part of our lives, be vulnerable, and let him change us. To keep the fruit analogy going a little bit, I love Galatians 5 and the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Growing up, probably just because they both had spirit in the name, I always thought that spiritual gifts and fruits of the Spirit were very similar. And with spiritual gifts, some people get some gifts, others get others, um, but they're just gifted to us. And that is not really the way that fruits of the Spirit work. Fruits of the Spirit are the result of the Spirit living inside you. It's the result of letting God into your life. It's not your fruit, and it's not fruit that is just given to you. It is the Holy Spirit's fruit. He produces it inside of you. We don't become more patient people just by trying harder. We don't become more patient people just by mustering up the strength when we feel like it. We don't even, most of the time, just receive patience as a gift from God, though sometimes. If we want to become more patient people, we need to let God inside of us. We need to be open to letting him change our hearts to be more patient people. It's about letting God change our perspective, change the way that we see the world, change the way that we react to the world so that our very will might be changed. So that we not only act the way that God wants us, but we want what he wants. That our will might match his will, that our heart may match his heart. So I want to end today by praying together a little bit longer version of admitting to God that we have not done his will, that we need, a heart, we need his help changing our hearts and changing the type of trees that we are. So please pray with me this morning. God, we have not done your will because we still have our own. We have our own wants, desires, and perspective of the world, and they do not match yours. And that's a problem. We can and we should try to make it so that our actions are reflections of your love and your character. But if our hearts don't also match that, God, we have no chance. So we, we need you to change what kind of trees we are. We need you to address the root causes in our hearts. We need you to change us. So help us let you change us. Help us let you in. Help us give you the time. Help us incorporate you into our very being. 
Help our lives bear fruits of the Spirit because your Spirit is within us and is actively changing us. Only then may your will and not our will be done. But God, we're not there yet. So forgive us. Even when we do what seems right, our hearts may still be broken. So forgive us and heal us and change us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.